Good morning. I, uh, <clears throat> judging from the resistance I'm getting, uh, I think the, the, the Lord wants to say something to his body. Um, I could hardly talk yesterday, but the Lord is healing me, so I'm going to trust him to continue to heal me so that I can do justice to what I believe the Spirit is, is saying to us. The message that I have is called discerning the body. Um, we, we all have ideas, when I say the body of Christ, we all have an idea or a picture in our mind. And what I want to try to hopefully accomplish is, is actually tie that to Scripture so that what, what we see is in line with what God sees. Because I see that um, I'm very fortunate in that I get to relate to a lot of the body. Notice I didn't say a lot of bodies, right? Because that's a mistake that we make. That's one perception that we do wrong. And that's we say, oh, well, that's that body over there. The one, you know, the one over there on such and such street. No, it's the body. <laughs> we are all part of one body. There, is, there are churches there's one body. Life. You know, there's one thing as scientists, they get together and they, uh, they figure things out, right? There's one thing they can't do. They can't take something that is not living and make it alive. Right? They can copy things. They can look at the wondrous design of God and they can say, ooh, I, I think we can make a copy of that. But the one thing they cannot do is give it life. And if you even ask them, they get kind of, hmm, you know, well, we don't know exactly how it comes to life. Right? Well, we do. We do. It's like the biggest elephant in the room when you talk about science. It's how does something come to life? They can't explain it. They can't reproduce it. And they can't make it happen. And yet, we know. All life, all life comes from God. He breathes life. Doesn't he? He breathes life into everything. And when we talk about the body of Christ, he gives it life. He breathes, he makes its heart beat. Right? And we had a word the other day when we were praying on, on um, Monday. Our sister gave a word that she saw the heart of God beating. And there is something happening, isn't there? They sense it in the spirit. God is, our heart is beating. The body is coming to life. The life itself doesn't come from us. We, would be li- we are lifeless without him. Uh, we're, we're all zombies without Christ. Um, we, the Bible says that we are dead, in fact. 
in our trespasses and sins. And the only way we'll have life is if God breathes it into us. He makes the heart of the body beat. When we try to go on without God's uh, breath of life, it's a poor imitation of what he wants. And all we end up with is vain religion. I believe that God has more for us. I don't think that we properly discern it, as the scripture says. The first part of discerning the body is who is the head? And in Colossians 1.18 it says, Jesus is the head of the body of the church. He's the beginning. He's the firstborn from the dead. That in everything he might be preeminent. He's the firstborn. So notice, from the dead. So he's the first one through the portal, isn't he? To life. Right? The inference being that we were all dead. He's bringing this dead thing, to life. Right? So he's the preeminent, the head. It says, I believe that a church without a proper head isn't a true body. Right? We can put people in in place of our head. Whoops. Right? Right? It took me a while when I first came here to Sarepta to figure out who the head pastor was. He had already greeted me three or four times, but I didn't know who he was. And I love that. I love that. Because that means there is a head, and it's not a man or a woman. Hallelujah. That's good. Because it's so important that we hold our head in the proper position. Right? When we came in this morning, we lifted up our head as a body. Didn't we? We lifted him up. We held him in his proper position. At the top. And I'll show you something different about biblical headship. There's only one body. There's no other body. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 and 16, it says, Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body so that it grows itself up in love. Okay, so if we, we, we think about our joints, right? We have joints that connect each member of our body. And it says that the life is flowing from the head to us. Through our joints. By every joint 
the supplies. Every joint, when it is equipped and it's working properly, makes the body do what? Grow, right? Grow, and in what direction? Into Him, right? So there's this, this, when we're working properly, we're growing, and we're growing into Christ. So there's a, there's a direction, there's a purpose in our growth. It's not just random, but we are growing until we lift up our head properly. We hold Him in the place where He is to be exalted. We exalt Him in worship. We lift Him up when we testify of what He does. Right? We had both of those things happen this morning already. That's the sign of a healthy body is that we lift up our head. We exalt Him. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, and he was speaking about being lifted up on the cross, but he was where he is supposed to be, right? Doing what he was supposed to be doing. When we lift him up, he said, I will draw all men unto me. Right? We lift him up, he does the drawing. We, we, we preach Christ and him crucified, right? Lifted up. And he does the drawing. Remember, he's, this, the, he's the serpent on the pole. When you just look at him, they're healed. Right? We lift him up. People will be healed. People will be delivered. People will be saved. We, we miss this part of what being a body is. Is when we hold Jesus in his proper place, he draws people. It's not always about the music or the setting or anything else. It's about what Jesus says is lifting him, putting him where he's supposed to be. And then he will draw people unto himself. When we lift him up, we don't just lift him up here in church when we gather corporately. We are always a body wherever we are. We are always a member wherever we are, right? Whether we're sitting in this building or we're somewhere else, we're always a member. There's, Jesus said it another way. He says, I'm the vine, you're the branches, right? The life flows from him to us. We're grafted into this thing. There's many ways we can become a part of the body. We have to be born into it. Right? And we're baptized into it. And we're grafted into it. And we're adopted into it. Right? I'll talk about more about each one of these things. But we are, we're, we're attached, aren't we? And without attachment, we what? We die. We don't have any life. We have to have attachment by each joint supplies. Right? In Revelations, we see, what do you put on a head 
like that. Hallelujah. Jesus, our head. We see it in Revelations. It says, His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on His head are many diadems. And He has a name written that no one knows but Himself. He's clothed in a robe dipped with blood. And by the name... And the name by which he is called is the Word of God. Hallelujah. Many diadems. I looked this up and it means a crown, but it means more than that. There's From the crown are ribbons, and each ribbon holds an ornament that represents authority. He, is, he has multiple authorities. From his head. He, he, we, he has names that we don't even know about. He has authorities that we don't even know about. God, it says, have given me all authority. We don't even know what that means. But what we do know is, is incredible, isn't it? The authority of our head, Christ. Each one representing a, a different area So, we want to be a body that's qualified to lift up our head properly, don't we? I know it's the heart of the, what, peop, what God is drawing a people together that has a heart to do this. So I'm excited about it because I see it happening. I want to encourage it in the Lord. I want to encourage us in the Word. In Colossians 2, 18 through 19, it says, Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions puffed up without reasons by a sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head, whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that's from God. Right? There's growth in bodies that is not from God. Right? has nothing to do with this, what the Spirit of God is trying to do. It has to do with man's effort. But there's a growth that comes from God when there's some things present. One, holding fast to our head. Right? And I think we really do a good job of that, honestly. I, what I see in the body, we do... Hold fast to our head. We know who He is. We love Him. It's, it says that the whole body is nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments. So the nourishment, we see that, you know, if we have a hand, I'm going to do just a, a, a real quick hand here. It's not an art, it's not an art contest or anything. Um, the nourishment comes from our head, right? There's a joint here. There's a joint here. There's joints in our fingers, right? Okay, each joint, this is a member. This is a member. But how is the nourishment transmitted by what each joint supplies? Right? This is what I want. I want you to see that when we are 
connected, we have nourishment. When we are relating properly to our head, we have nourishment. Right? Can I have you guys come up for a second? I want to just... When I am connected here, God is being exalted, right? This connection that I have here nourishes my brother. The connection that he has nourishes his sister, right? In the body. It's the connectedness. When the connection breaks, the nourishment stops flowing. It's important. Because if we don't discern that the body of Christ is, thank you guys, is about connectedness, we miss it. We don't, we, we're not gonna, we're not gonna have the, the life that flows from our head. Because it's the joint that supplies, right? I cut my finger off, throw it over on the floor over there, it's not gonna last very long, right? It's important that it happens frequently too, isn't it? Right? Because, yeah, they can miraculously, as science, they can throw that, that thing in an ice box and take it to, and they can reattach it and boom, it comes back on and it's amazing. But that's pretty traumatic, isn't it? So what we want to do is stay connected, find our place. Where do we belong in the body of Christ? God loves diversity. And I love the diversity in the body of Christ. He doesn't want cookie-cutter Christians. He doesn't want us all doing the same thing. He wants us all to be what we're supposed to be. But He wants us all connected. Right? He doesn't want us floating around. The things that the body of Christ is not. Okay? It's not a dictatorship. Right? Even Christ, who is our head, asks us to submit to Him. (laughs) We have a choice. He doesn't lord it over us, does He? No. He is Lord of everything. We see how He has authority over everything. Things that we don't even know about or understand. But He still says, come to me. He woos us. With love. It's not a dictatorship. It's not to be run by a man as a dictatorship or a woman as a dictatorship. It's to be all in submission to his glory, to his will, lifting him up. So, it's not a club. Right? It's not a, a clique. Right? It's, it's a functioning, living thing. It's an organism, not an organization. Right? The organism has life in it. An organization is that dead thing that scientists can't make come to life. Right? We make a mistake. We do not discern the body if we think it's an organization or a club where you, you can have your membership card, like, you know, if you go to Virgin Active, and you can go to the other Virgin Active if you want, and, you know, you, you get in your club, right? 
No, that's not it. That's improperly discerning the body of Christ. It's not a club where you go skipping around. It's an attachment where the only way you're going to get life is being attached somewhere. Getting kind of quiet in here. Amen? Amen. It's not a corporation. Okay? We may have to have a corporate status to fulfill the laws of the land. That's not a problem. As long as it does not dictate our ownership, our purpose, or our headship. Right? That remains the the total submission to Christ only. And the day that that changes is the day we have to pull back from even that. See, Jesus stood leadership on its head as the head of the church. He says that the world does it this way. You have your leader and you have all the people. Now this, he said, the, the leader in the world does it this way. It's top down. Right? And you even see this, I'm talking about in corporate structures, you see this kind of leadership, top down leadership. Right? Jesus said, it shall not be so with you. Right? Nothing necessarily wrong with this if you're running a corporation, but if you're, if you're talking about the church and you want to properly discern what his body looks like, he takes this thing and he flips it on its head. He flips it completely upside down until it looks like this. He says, The greatest among you will be the servant of all. The greatest among you will be the servant. And I heard somebody is teaching about leadership, and I just kept waiting. I was listening for a word. And it went all night, and I was still listening, and I didn't hear it, not one time. And I went, that's not leadership. That word? Service. Servant. Servant. If you don't have it, you do not have biblical leadership. You are improperly discerning what the body is. Right? Because the people are being served, not enslaved. Right? That's what it's about. He turned it all upside down. If you look at churches today, sadly, many of them are sticking to the old model. And they don't have the life that flows from God because they don't have their head in the right place. (laughs) You can't operate with your head in the wrong place. Right? And the body of Christ is a servanthood body. And our leader 
is here. The greatest of all is servant to all. And he says, if I do this, then what should you be doing? Right? Knowing who I am, he says, you know, leader of all authority, all power is given in his name. He can speak a word and destroy anything he wants to or give life to anything he wants to. If I do this, serve you like this, like a servant, like a slave, then what, where should you be, actually? <laughs> what position should you find yourself in? Right? We have to put him in his proper place. Also, the body is, this is something that um, I think is, is important and will be more important that we understand this as we get towards the end of days here and we're in the end times. That the body is, is worldwide, it's global. Right? It's not just here locally. It, it, we are part of the global body of Christ. And we need to discern that. Says he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him. Who fills all in all. We are to be the fullness of Him together. Right? Not individually. It says we're to be the fullness of who Jesus is on the earth together. That we really can only accomplish it together. And we need to perceive that we can't accomplish it without our members of our body who are across the street and down the road and in another country. We can't accomplish it without them. They can't accomplish it without us. And if we properly relate to that, when I went to, um, I had to go back to the the States to get my uh, visa renewed. And when I went back, I, I met with some pastors. It was kind of a weird meeting. They, they invited me to come, and I was just about to get on a plane. They said, well, come. And I, so I'm like, oh, Lord, what do, you, do you want me to do this? I don't know. So I went, and I was sitting there next to a pastor from Nigeria on one side of me, and a, a pastor from, uh, both were missionary pastors, right, from uh, India, and he's talking, and they're pouring their hearts out, and they're just on the verge of tears about their ministries to the one uh, in India. He works with uh, these young uh, girls and boys who are temple prostitutes and the destruction in their lives. And you could just feel his pain as he's sharing this. And the other pastor was from Nigeria, and he was talking about these Boko Haram had these 200 girls that were abducted and how those were all Christian girls. They were Christians. And they were being uh, raped and exploited and turned into 
wives and how his heart was breaking. And I was sitting there, I started to feel their pain. And God said to me, the search that you feel, I feel it too. Stop seeing them as something separate and distant. They're connected to you. Right? When I see you all as one, that's the way God perceives us. He sees us all as one. And when one hurts, we all hurt. When one is blessed, we're all blessed. It says in 1 Corinthians 12, if one member suffers, we all suffer together. If one member is honored, we all rejoice together. I have an example of how I, um, we're all connected. I, um, I was shopping one day, a long time ago. This was when I was young and very foolish. Um, I, uh, I had my keys in my hand like this, and I was carrying something like this, and I locked the door to my car. I dropped the keys into my pocket like so, and because I had this in my hand, I gave it a nudge with the hip to lock the door. Right? That's when I realized that my finger was still in the door. Okay, now, it is, it is locked. I mean, and closed all the way. You know, and like your fingers are not really made to go through that little tiny slot that's... Yeah, look at it when you get in your car. See how narrow that is. So, I mean, I'm looking at this, I'm going, huh. And then I realize my keys are in this pocket. And I'm way out in the middle of the thing. And, ah. So I'm digging. And every move I make, try it sometime. Get your keys out of your office. Every move I make puts me further and further into torture. Right? So I finally somehow, I get it out. And I unlock it, and I open it, ah, you know? And my finger is like flat. It's like, I didn't know that your bone, your bone could even be like depressed, but it actually flattened it, you know? When one member suffers, I, it had the attention of my whole body right then, I tell you. You know... Avril and I have been through some of the worst pain that I even thought possible, honestly. I didn't know I could experience pain to such a level when we lost our children. And when the body senses that you're in that much pain, you know, I would... I would very much like almost to disown my little finger at that point. Right? Because I wouldn't want to put myself through that pain. But what I love about this body is that they didn't disconnect to us. We were in agony and you stayed connected to us. It's not always blessing. It's 
Sometimes it's pain, but it's the staying connected that makes us a body. Right? Don't pull away. Someone's in need. Be that life that flows through. Let it flow through you. I thank God for this body that stayed connected when we were in such agony. And still, you can see. There's a, there's a connectedness that, that matters to God. He wants us to be there for each other. Right? We wouldn't have made it. We wouldn't have made it, man. Without the connectedness. When we, when we receive blessing, we're all blessed. Right? There's so many times when we've felt so blessed because of just what somebody else in our body. You know, I'm blessed. I'm blessed when I see Zalani, God using him. That blesses me, man. I mean, that's what it's about, isn't it? I am, I'm encouraged by that. I'm blessed by that, by seeing what God has done in this young man's life. He puts all things together. The early church, each church had a flavor, an emphasis, a mission that, that is unique. And we see it in Revelations. I knocked off my timer. I don't know how long have I been going here. Pretty fast, okay. Um, yeah, I don't, don't think so. That's a, there's a difference between a sermon and a hostage situation. <laughs> we don't want to get into the hostage situation. <laughs> the church in Ephesus, you know, each, they were all bodies, right? All these churches were body, were, were one body, but they were churches as individual. They had a flavor, a personality, if you will, and a mission, right, that is specific to them. We're all still part of that greater body, but if we see, we look at Christ addresses them as the church in Ephesus, and they, had a, they, they were all given usually a pro. In other words, good job, guys. Or a con. Need some work. And then a response from God. If we look at the church in Ephesus, its pros were, it's toil. They were, they were workers. They were out there doing the work, man. Patient endurance. They didn't grow weary. Right? They just kept on, keeping on. They weren't bearing with evil. In other words, they didn't put up with nonsense. Right? It's important that God looks at us, when he, when he looks at us, He looks at us as a whole. That's another thing. Right? He looks up at us corporately. And He says, you're working. You know? You're toiling. You're not bearing with evil. You discern false prophets and you point them out. Right? They had discernment. They bore up for his namesake. In other words, there was opposition, but they bore up under it because of Jesus. They hated the works of the 
Nicolaitans, sorry, the Nicolaitans, which was idolatry and, and sexual immorality. They hated that. That was on their, their cons. Or their pros, I mean, I'm sorry. Their con, and this is a big one, they abandoned their first love. That can be death to a church. Abandoning your first love, right? You always have to have that first love. That's the drive. Love is, God is love, and it's the driving force behind everything we do. Everything. All of this, all of this connectedness has to do with love. Right? So, where we are connected, we are transmitting love one to another from God. It says the result that unless they repent corporately, they will have their lampstand removed. That's a serious thing. We can lose or keep our lampstand corporately. Right? In other words, the lampstand was our witness to the community. We're a light set on a hill. Right? We can gain it or lose it together. Right? So it's important what we each do as a member of the body, because it matters, because we can gain our lampstand, we can make it brighter, we can have it removed altogether, depending upon what we do as a body. You see where this gets important, right? The church in Smyrna, their pros were, they were, they were persevering through poverty and tribulation. They just kept on. They persevered through the Spirit. Their cons. There wasn't any listed. That's awesome. There weren't any negatives. Didn't say anything negative. Just said, press on. <laughs> You're doing a great job. Right? Encouragement to hold up under imprisonment and to be faithful unto death. Right? The only one out of all of them that had no negatives was the persecuted church. <laughs> what does that tell you? You begin to see the body, you begin to discern the body when you start getting persecuted, don't we? We really start to see how much we need each other. It's not a, I think I'll go over there this week and I'll go over there that week. And da, da, da. It's not that Lone Ranger Christian stuff when you're persecuted, is it? And that's why there were no negatives. Because they were persevering even though they were poor and they were in tribulation. Let's do it while we're not poor and in tribulation, amen? <laughs> Don't want to go there. The church in, these names, Pergamum. I don't know, I, that's the American version. Pros, they hold fast to his name, the name of Jesus. They didn't deny the faith. Cons, some among them holding to the teaching of Balaam. They were putting 
stumbling blocks in front of other people in that fellowship by saying, uh, talking about idols and false worship, right? That was going on with some of them. It still ended up as a tick in the negative for all of them, right? And the result is a call to repentance. Otherwise, Jesus will come and make war with them with the sword of his mouth. The word. So, let's hope they repented. The church in Thyatira, the pros were all good. Love, faith, service, endurance. And their latter works exceeded the first. So in other words, they were on a, if you had a chart charting their trajectory, it was uphill. I mean, it was going up. They were, they were doing the work, they were loving, they were serving, patient, enduring, steady growth. The, the cons, a tolerance of Jezebel, a self-proclaimed prophetess, seducing servants and without repentance. Right? In other words, when confronted, kept right on doing, but they tolerated that in their midst. They were doing everything else right. They tolerated Oh, let's put up with it. No one wants to deal with that that spirit, right? Huh? And that was a negative tick for everybody, right? Tolerating a Jezebel spirit amongst us. It, 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 it's, it's even an individual in this case. Wow. That's amazing, isn't it? Perceiving the, accurately what God views as the body and how he relates to it. Notice he doesn't relate directly with her. He relates to the entire body regarding the tolerance of this behavior. Hmm. Food for thought. The result in the church, <clears throat> those that followed her have to repent of her works or he will strike their children dead. Ones who didn't hold fast, right? There were those who didn't hold fast to the head. The church in Sardis, pros. Some did not soil their garments. Doesn't sound too awful positive. Their cons. They and this is an interesting one to me, they had a reputation for life. But God says, you're actually dead. Right? Remember I, the two different things, the, the body as an organism and the body as an organization? They had a reputation for life. They may have even called themselves life something. Right? They had a reputation for life. They were actually dead. Right? That was a con for all of them, and they were asleep. 
And they left their work half done. They started stuff and didn't finish it. Their works were incomplete, the Bible says. So they had a reputation for being alive. They were actually dead. And they were asleep. Right? And they left a whole bunch of stuff undone. It says, the result was Jesus saying, wake up. Which is good. Because he's given them a chance. Isn't he? When he says, wake up and strengthen that remains, what remains that is about to die. It's not dead yet. <laughs> we watched a movie, uh, Princess Bride. I don't know if anybody's ever seen it. They were only mostly dead. Right? <laughs> he says, well, what do you do when you're all dead? He says, just go through their, cha- their pockets for loose change. Right? They were only mostly dead. God had to breathe life into them. So, the ones who conquer will be clothed in white, and Jesus will confess their names. Right? So, if they wake up, they repent, they come back, and they conquer, they'll be clothed in white. And Jesus will confess them before the Father. Church in Philadelphia. He understands that though they don't have much power, they kept his word and didn't deny his name. Their cons were they didn't have much power. Right? Why wouldn't they have much power? Probably because they weren't connected to their head properly. Right? There wasn't, it wasn't being, God has the power. We just pointed that out. God, he has all authority, all power is given to him. So when we are connected properly to him and we're working, right? Everything is humming. We will have power. It stands to reason, yeah? So he sets before them a door that is open and no one can shut it. He tells them to hold fast and don't let anyone else seize your crown. Go for it. God, he writes his name on them. And those who conquer, he will make them pillars in the temple of God. He's, incur- he's putting that before them. If you get through this, you'll be a pillar in the temple. I'm looking for a place to land. I'll go ahead and do the church in Laodicea. There's none listed. No pros. Hmm. These guys weren't doing it. They're cons. They were lukewarm, poor, wretched, pitiable, blind, and naked. Wow. And being lukewarm, God said, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. Anybody see that uh, war room? That was pretty awesome. She gives girl says, well, I'm neither, I'm not really hot, but I'm not really cold. So she gives her some coffee, and it's lukewarm. <laughs> She's like, <laughs> says, get the point, right? Didn't like the coffee because it's lukewarm. The same about God. He doesn't like us neither hot nor cold. He's going to spew us out. He says, I will spit you out of my mouth, and you're not accurately perceiving your true spiritual state. You think you're rich? You're actually poor. You think you're prosperous and in need of nothing. 
In other words, they were taking their earthly wealth and their earthly position to be something in the body of Christ, and it meant nothing. Nothing. Their spiritual state is what is important to God. You think you're rich? You don't have Jesus, you're poor. Right? So, it says you're actually blind and naked. But you can do this. You can buy gold refined with fire and white garments and salves for your eyes so you can see. And he called them to repentance. Let he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. You can see there's simply no place in this scenario for a Lone Ranger Christian. Is there? Simply no place. And, th- and that attitude of heart is at the very center of not discerning the body of Christ. That attitude of heart is at its very center. So, if we have that attitude, we can buy gold refined with fire. Amen? Who bought it? <laughs> Jesus did. He, he was refined, wasn't he? For our sake. He was burned under the wrath of God, the full wrath of God, so that we could have gold that is refined by fire. He was beaten so that we could wear a white robe. His vision of him is a robe dipped in blood. Right? He gives us a white robe. His righteousness. So, I didn't get anywhere close to how far I was going to, but I'm going to stop here and continue next week. We're going to talk about the bride. We're going to talk about the warrior church. Alright? We're going to talk about living stones, being the house of God. But Father, help us, God. We want to be in that, that list of churches that is one with your body in a global scale. We understand that we can't do it alone, that we have to be connected. Only life flows from you. God, we exalt you as our head. You're above all. Every name that is named you are above that. God, you're pure, you're righteous. All leadership flows from you. All servanthood flows from you. God, we worship you. And we ask you, God, to to give us this gold refined by fire, to give us this white robe, Lord. Father God, in Jesus' name.